0: Hey everybody, it's John. Uh, this one's rough. So I don't know if anyone saw my, uh, or how many of you saw my post on Facebook last week, but okay, let me let me explain. First of all, our guest this week is Danielle Dax. Now, she was an alternative singer in the 80s, British alternative, um, very experimental, very avant-garde, um, very crea- hyper-creative, more artistic even than Pop sensibility I first uh, heard her around 87 88 with this song right here Big Hollow Man I still love this song she disappeared kind of in the early 90s and I'd always wondered why and we talk about it in here unfortunately it's as you can imagine it relates to a very topical issue these days now Danielle was a was a request from listener Brian Jensen So Brian connected up with me a while back, probably after Rock Solid or something. i met a lot of you through Rock Solid. And Brian was the best. He sent me, I remember one time he sent me an email when we first got connected that had literally about 200 names of bands that he liked, uh, that he would like to have on the show. And we're both from Salt Lake City. And so we are, and are about the same age. And so we're really into the same bands. Well, I found out last week that Brian committed suicide on New Year's Eve. Um, What's really especially harrowing about that for me is that I never knew Brian but I was my, my family and I were in Salt Lake City the week between Christmas and New Year's visiting family and Brian and I had made arrangements to go to dinner on Thursday night the 28th and I had to cancel kind of at the last minute because Traditionally, my wife takes our daughter to see the Nutcracker and it was happening that night. And I was hoping that I could sneak out and leave our boys with the grandparents, but it didn't work out. And so I couldn't go. And I tried for the rest of the time that we were there to make some time for Brian. And he, which sounds really strange now, was working a lot of overtime. I think he worked for the postal service. And so his t- his schedule was very tight. And I had requested, what if we got together at like 10.30 Saturday night at like a Denny's on the side of the freeway or something like that, and just so we could meet. Uh, we had corresponded so much and just chat music and, you know, solidify a friendship. And I got a message from him at 6:50 p.m. on Saturday evening, saying he had had a long day at work and he didn't feel up to it, but that we would get together next time I was in town. And then I found out last Wednesday that he killed himself the very next day. And so. This one is, of course, extremely bittersweet. Uh, it's hard to talk about. It may even be hard to listen to. I mean, he, wa- he was still around and I did this for him. And so there are questions. I—he, His name comes up a few times in here. And um, I just, I feel awful about it. This one's for Brian. Uh, I'll admit the sound quality isn't very good even. And I don't know that this will ma- matter to anyone outside of Danielle's biggest fans but Brian was a big fan and it would have mattered to him and so this one's for Brian um Danielle called me from her home in England and frankly I forgot to ask where that was
1: well so this is really exciting I gotta tell you how I uh how I discovered Danielle Dax now I mentioned that I lived in Denver I actually grew up in Salt Lake City Utah which is um, uh yeah yeah I grew up there, and believe it or not, there's actually a very uh, vibrant alternative radio presence there. And Big yes, I know. Man used to get. Yeah. Okay. Good. You know. Well, where, well I mean, I have to Hall tell you, man.
2: John, that when I when I was doing my first kind of going around the country doing interviews, things in the late '80s, apart from New York uh-huh. and and um, San Francisco, I mean, it, Salt Lake City struck me as the kind of the place that seemed to know what was going on. Really. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, re- and I couldn't believe news. it. It was, yes. it was so odd. You know, I just thought, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere, blah, blah, blah. But no, I was really yeah. impressed. I, it was, it, it was completely unexpected.
1: Oh, I'm glad to hear you say that because you know, everyone figures it's Podunk. There's a lot of Mormons there. People get Mormons mixed up with like Amish, and so they just assume that. We don't listen to music or we know what's going on, but that's not the case, especially in the 80s, which is still very vibrant there today. A lot of 80s bands travel through there a lot because they Mm. get good reception. So anyway, Big Hollow Man was played on alternative radio a lot when I was growing up, and I loved that song. And so that's where I became aware of Daniel Dax and have known ever since. Now, I I don't normally start from the beginning on these things, but yours is kind of interesting because... From what I can tell, it sounds like you didn't have any formal music training. But I heard you mention in another interview that when you sort of discovered music, that's when you thought, "I know what I want to do with my life." And having said that, your early music is so
0: strange. On a counterpane of glass, you're getting creed and class. There's no ambition! There's no true answer right themselves. Devour the
2: two faces! No! lead me to my trance. a room
0: where flies bleed. And we take time to dance. Meaninglessly!
1: Not pop music, so I'm curious if there was somebody out there that you were like emulating. Did you see someone like Laurie Anderson and think that's what I'm Oh, darling, darling, bless
2: you, bless you for that. I I wouldn't have been capable of copying anybody at that point.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's what I I wondered.
2: I mean, look, John, this is this was what was so great. I mean, when I when I first met Carl, in you know, who I did Lemon Kittens with, um, he. We used to go to junk shops and buy any instruments that were dead cheap and just make noises on them and His attitude was if you can if you can make art in one in one area, you can transfer that into any area and if you can make a noise it 's music and I kind of agree with that yeah. anyway because i mean really music was my, before I got involved with music it was my I was a bit asperger's about it. Um, It was really my salvation. Um, I mean, anyone young won't understand how a provincial girl growing up in a completely uncultured uh, area of Britain at that time, Uh um, how lonely that was and how odd one feels. And when I discovered, um, I was obviously aware of pop music, and I liked a lot of pop music. You know, I liked glam rock and I liked and funk, I like Stevie Wonder and James Brown and all that kind of stuff. We had to learn an instrument at school, and I used to learn. I learned to play the flute, okay. and would would play classical music, but not very well. I I couldn't. I never actually knew how to read music. I used to do it by memory, <laughs>
1: and the teacher okay. didn't
2: realise <laughs> for about the first year. Um, right. But uh, when I and so when I when I met Carl, um, I had this this uh, this obsession. I, I, You know, I, I discovered through a friend all the kind of Cannes and Noy and Faust and then found a yeah. lot of the avant-garde kind of 60s and 70s electronics composers and would li- literally listen to everything, anything, mm-hmm. like it was my lifeblood. <laughs> and obviously all that filtered through somehow. And I really, really... Even if I wanted to play in a style and, and thought, oh, you know, if I do this, it'll be successful, I couldn't have done it to save my life. But I did know that I wanted, I was in, as interested in the, uh, the the engineering and production side and the arrangement side and the sounds as much as you know just singing over the top. My, the three people that were my biggest inspiration was Brian Eno, his early solo albums mm-hmm. um, like mm-hmm. Another Green World and Here Come the Warm Jets and things, and um, Captain Beefheart and Robert Wyatt, yeah. Rock Bottom. So this, I, w- I would have been quite happy to be any of them or all three mixed up at once. You know, that's what I wanted to be. <laughs> really, that's
1: <laughs> so sophisticated. Uh,
2: well, I...
1: you didn't aspire to the pop charts or any, it wouldn't isn't that what any normal no, I mean, I'm playing no, not, here isn't no, that what it's any boring. young musician aspires to? Really?
2: <laughs> no way. It was too boring. I don't <laughs> want possible. I don't want
1: popularity or radio play or hits I want to make this really challenging noise music over I here mean, I don't I don't
2: singing. care. I really don't care and I never cared about pleasing anybody else but myself. Really? Okay. Absolutely not, and I still feel that way with everything I do. No. It doesn't satisfy me, it doesn't get made, which is why I haven't done any music for so long. It's a, I don't know where it is, it's a kind of single-minded, bloody-minded, I'm not quite sure, um, and I okay. don't quite get how things work in, in, in normally anyway, and I certainly didn't uh-huh. back then. And I remember when, yeah. <laughs> well, this will make you laugh, when the first Lemon Kittens EP and Spoonfed and Rising was released, which I obviously didn't play on but did the cover for, I was uh-huh. convinced that it was the most commercial music ever. And that we were going to go on top of the box. This is how oh, out, I was totally, I had no idea yeah. what, it, what it really sounded
1: like. <laughs> That's uh, that says a lot, actually. Because <laughs> when I hear that early stuff, and, and again, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate here, because I find I find all your music very interesting. But when you when you're listening to like Popeyes or yeah. those Lemon Kittens albums, yeah. are you thinking to yourself, "This is really, this is really good. This is catchy." Yeah, great, I really thought it was hot. Right on I the thought radio. I thought was,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Kids are going to dance to this. Oh, yeah, we well, did. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true, I guess. In certain clubs. Okay. <laughs> I mean, wow. it was only
2: afterwards. It, it was only afterwards that I thought how how deluded and peculiar that, that attitude was. But, um, yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know where my head was at. I was, it was a different country.
1: Okay. Fascinating. <laughs> Now one other, and this is kind of a nerdy question, when you make music like that, is that, are you are you, are you producing what you hear in your head? I mean, do you actually hear those sounds? Or are you sort of, uh, are, do you hear them all, uh, ahead of time and think, uh, hear some notes and hear some ideas? Or are you sort of banging stuff out and seeing what happens? And whatever comes out that you like, that becomes then a song. Does that
2: make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think probably the answer is a bit of both, but I, I have a thing called synesthesia, which is where you <laughs> have a, a brain misfiring, and right from the beginning I could, I had different textures and tastes and shapes and things and colours for different sounds, and certainly when I made Popeyes, I would have a sort of a visual mapping sometimes uh, after maybe doing one because because it was done in such a, a, a basic way. I might lay down a tr eight hundred eight kind of electronic drum track, and then I would see shapes and voids and um, peaks and different kind of textures, and it, it seemed that's how that's sort of how how it worked. I, I would I would hear a piece and think right. I need something. Something that, uh, for example, um, a clarinet always sounded like digestive biscuits, or um, an oboe would be curdled milk, or something like that. Um, so, so, and i in my old notebooks. I have drawings of some of the tracks in, as a sort of a, a series of sort of lines and dots and wiggles and um, and, and almost like a map a, a map reference for those sounds. Yeah. Um, and and very and I'm, I have a very quick sense of what might work within a layer of textures Um, and it's developed obviously as I've listened to and become older and and um, assimilated more more stuff okay yeah you
1: know let me ask you a question let me ask you a question about that because I've heard you know people like Kanye West uh have Mm. synesthesia and Mm. some people some artists really claim it as a benefit that's what gives them a lot of their creativity. But then I've heard other people mention that it's more of a of a hindrance. It uh holds them back because it's so it's hard to deal with and strains. Did you ever feel like it was helping or hurting you one way or the other? Well,
2: I think the only difficulty is when you're trying to when you're working with other people, um and especially as a woman, I might go into a studio in the early eighties and A, I had the whole sexism thing, which was a pain. Mm -hmm. But then when you go in and there's an engineer, and maybe he likes to work on jazz funk... And you go in and you say, "What does that machine do?" And he, like maybe um, a chorus effect or something, and it's something piffling and useless. And you, think, and you say, "Right, no, no, really, fuck it up. You know, well, I want a noise that goes." <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> right. Then it gets, then, then it kind of, then it gets a bit confusing for people, um, and you know, you get you get the people who are sort of psychologically, sociologically adapt or adept at at dealing with different personalities but then you get the other ones who just think I can't deal with this (laughs) and when I made my first album the first studio I I ever worked in I was doing a track which never made it to Popeyes and on the second day the guy just said to me I can't listen to any more any more of this you're doing my head Uh in I can't do any more sessions with you (laughs) Okay. He was a jazz bunker, but he did t- he did teach me about binaural recording, so I can't I can't be too okay. b- too down on him.
1: <laughs> okay. You know, one thing too I was noticing about the early days in your career well it just carried on throughout it probably carries on to this day. There's there's a wide variety of creative outputs going on with you. You're creating cover art for your and other people's albums. There's mm. definitely a fashion sense going on, there's performance art going on. I think I read somewhere maybe this was even on your website. I don't remember where I read it, but um that in the early days you performed naked with like body glitter on and everything oh, like even that. Body paint,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Body paint, okay.
2: Mm.
1: Um so you must have been there was no there seemed to have no been no question from the very beginning that you were going to be doing something creative with your life, no matter where it was. I'm I'm assuming.
2: I don't think you have any choice. Choice. I, um, uh, really? I, I used to really fight against the notion of the artiste, you know, with a capital A, the tortured artiste, and, oh, it's my destiny. And Especially being British, we're not good at all that serious angst-ridden, <laughs> you know, philosophising uh-huh. about things. We tend to be much more, you know, um, uh, we take the piss a, a, a bit, as you probably gather. Yeah. Um, but I, I, eventually I, I, I realised that, I, you can't fight it, and it comes out anyway, in one way or another. You know, like in the way that some people are, are, in, are good at sport. It's just, it's just yeah. some people are creative, other people are. I won't say good at maths because you know maths is creative too in a different way. Um, mm. You know, mm-hmm. so, science, especially um, you know um, uh, 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 um, particle physics and things like that, cosmology, massively creative. Yeah. Um, when the two okay. meet, it's fantastic, but. I remember my brother saying to me once he was listening to a camel album, um, and he said, "Dax, why don't you make an album like this? Why do you make all that that shit?" And I and I just he I said because <laughs> I, I I have to, you know. I, yeah. I feel I need to. I couldn't do
1: that other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be
2: me, you right. know. But it doesn't make huh. life
1: easy, does it? I mean, you you know, you yeah. can imagine. Well, and that's kind of why I ask because. Something I'm, I personally am very fascinated with are people who decided very early on in their lives that creativity was the only way and then followed that path no matter what throughout their life because regular people like me grew up thinking you got to get a job and you got to work every I day. I bet you're not like that. I bet
2: you're, I bet you're creative.
1: Well, that's kind of, I, I don't know how creative I am other than trying to put out this podcast, which is sort of my expression in that. But the older I get, I mean, I'm I'm 44. And so as I get older, well, I start you. thinking about <laughs> – thank you. But mm-hmm. when I get older, I, as I get older, I start thinking about all of the risks I didn't take in my life when I was younger that may have put me on a path similar to yours, you know? I followed what, you know, the American path, the American dream path that ultimately I think I feel now that I'm older is kind of empty. But maybe, you know, scrambling and trying to find work and try and pay your bills as a creative person your whole life, maybe that's no easier. I don't know.
2: No, it's a fucking nightmare. It made me very (laughs) ill. It gave me a permanent – Really? It's given me asthma and bronchitis. Christ, no. I mean, if I could choose to be normal, dim, you know, perfectly happy, doing something that just was a regular thing, God, yeah, Uh I'd love to be like that. (laughs) It would be really? so much easier. Um, oh, although I don't know, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't. I mean, everybody's everybody's difficulties are, 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 are relative, and you say that yeah. about yourself. But I don't believe in those sort of regrets. I mean, either you'll do something mm. from now on, or you know, reframe it. No, it's not an easy life. I gave up. I gave up so much to do this. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It's easier
2: for guys. Hey, you have... Yeah, no
1: kidding. At any point in your life, when especially when music started to kind of fade in the 90s, did you ever have to go get a regular job, or did you transition into other forms of design? I mean, I know that's what you mostly do or have been doing, but was there ever a point where you thought, i got to go get a regular job to pay these bills?
2: Yeah, there was a, 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 a period where, I, where things got very scary. Um, mm-hmm. But I i went into um i went in, I, I qualified as a garden designer um i won awards in interior design i recently did a degree uh, in fine art at chelsea chelsea school of art um nice. because i'd never been to art school and and i thought you know i thought it'd be quite interesting as an older student yeah. um but there's there's so much i mean i love. I love so many different areas, and they they all tend to be creative, so it's never a good shortage of things that are interesting
1: good for you okay i'm always I'm just curious about stuff like that. so I want to know when your career in your mind really started to take off because I'm guessing through lemon kittens and popeyes and those kinds of things you're you know you're doing your thing and it's very specific. And you're probably attracting a very specific fan who's into what you're doing. There had to have been a moment, though, where your sound became a little poppier, which it did on things like inky bloaters. Uh, I've always wondered—is that how you even say that, bloaters?
2: Inky bloaters, yes.
1: Okay, um, good. I have no—I well, have no idea what half the things, half your albums and songs even mean. They're just what, these what strange inky bloaters,
2: words. Inky bloaters was a, um, a thing. My grand—I I, I spent my preschool years living with my grandmother or my grandparents, and it was a, um, a phrase she used for uh, as a name of an invisible being that would push doors open or or clothed in a draft, or, you know, move curtains in the wind. And rather than saying to me, oh, it's the wind, she would say she would describe it as being the work of inky bloaters.
1: (laughs) So that's where that comes from. Okay. Um, Yeah, I never know. Okay, good. So when you,
0: um,
1: you know, are things starting to pick up, and you're being, you know, are you, did you ever play Top of the Pops? Were you, you were being played at least on alternative radio in the States, were you seeing an increase in, popularity and and stuff like that as your career was going on yeah
2: it did it did pick up and um i did uh, i mean the biggest market really was japan and i didn't even realize until years afterwards that we were doing really 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 well over there um like really big acts were in britain but we on you know, we'd come back and we'd be coming back and going to sign on the doll, you know, having flown back yeah. first class, you know. Um, but, yeah, right. uh, You know, around the time of Cat House and things, uh, it, things became more commercially viable. I I can't say I felt terribly comfortable with it.
1: Oh, really? Why?
2: Well, I was very, very shy, and I used to find, you know, the the promotional aspects of it really, really difficult Mm. to handle. Um, uh, uh, It was just... um, If you're in a band, you've got your mates, and it's kind of easier. But I didn't have anything like that. And and in those days, these days, I think you you would have, you know people telling you how to deal with the press, and you'd have stylists, and blah, 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 blah. We, there wasn't anyone. There wasn't anybody. So that, that was that was tough. I did find that really tough.
1: Okay. It's interesting that you struggled with shyness after we just talked about how you would perform naked. So there's... ah like oh, yeah, but that things, was different. Art. That was art. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, do you know right. why I okay, did that's... that, John? John, I did that deliberately to get away from fashion. Because... You know, I didn't want our band to be associated with, you know, punk or new romantics or whatever it was that was going on right. at the time. So I figured we'd just right. perform. We had our backdrops that I painted. We'd perform as part of our backdrops. We'd do away with clothes right. and then we wouldn't be linked with any fashion. Got it. <laughs> it's not, I mean, right. being on stage is the safest place in the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, That's true. You can uh, try anything and you've got a rap audience, right?
2: Well, it's not that, it's just you're up there, you can be seeing, you can see, you know, it's not like being in the middle of a crowd, you know, where you're right jostling in the mosh pit or whatever, or a crowded, you know, railway station or anything like that. It's, you you kind of know what you're dealing with.
1: That makes sense, okay. Um, So how are you feeling as things are starting to take off? Now, forgive me, I only know... What I saw in the states uh maybe things were different on in the u k but were you um you know being played on the radio? did you have top forty songs at any point? what was what going is britain? To take off and how were you feeling uh, yeah Great Britain um or was it mostly japan
2: no it was it was all over the place huh. it was it was indie stuff um you okay. you couldn't okay. you couldn't really in britain anyway you you couldn't Really get into the the main charts without being on a major label, uh, okay. because because it was all to do with payola, how many adverts yeah. that company would take out, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, so that didn't really happen for me. Although, you know, there was there were lots of TV programs that I did and um, press coverage. You know, singles of the week and things in the music press and stuff. I was happy.
1: You were happy as things were getting better.
2: Well, no. I was happy that we were getting. I was getting the coverage of that I was getting.
1: Oh, good. good. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I, I thought okay. that was seeing my it wasn't. No, it's okay. Okay. Now there had to have been a moment there when you sort of were peaking. Did you come do like a tour of the states? And if you did, who did you play with? Who were you touring with? And were you the opener or the headliner? What were those um, days like?
2: Well, we did we did a few a few one offs at festivals and stuff but then we did the tour with the Sisters of Mercy in uh 91 19- oh, I think it was um which was which okay. was amazing because it was it was a full blown you know enormous tour with tour buses and all that, that was stuff I'd never experienced um and uh and they and they were really you know they were they were so nice to us they were so supportive um and we had a great time it was it was, okay. it was they, they were playing really, really really big places it was it was quite surprising
1: Nice. Okay. Um, What songs of yours were being played on the radio? I mean, I know Big Hollow Man, and then I have, and you may remember these, there are these Just Say Whatever compilations. Oh, those, yeah, 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 those. I love those. Anyone (laughs) who's listening who's a fan of 80s music, get your hands on the Just Say Yes, Just Say Yesterday, Just Say Whatever compilations (laughs) are great, because you're all over those things. What was getting played on the radio?
2: It's Cat House and um, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, Big um, Blue 82...
1: You got a severe illness. I think you touched on it a minute ago. Yeah. What What happened?
2: Well, <clears throat> I'd had a very nasty um, sex attack in the early eighties. Um oh. Really, th- really serious, th- life threatening, scary stuff, and kind of just squashed it down. Didn't deal with it. Left it. Left it alone. Felt fine. Okay, yeah. hey, fine, 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 fine. And then after we'd done the tour in America, and we toured Europe. I guess it was post-traumatic stress. It was a combination of what had happened to me and just complete mental and physical exhaustion. And I had a breakdown, basically. I was just very ill for about a year. I don't think I, went, I left my flat and was really sick, you know. Um, you? And it took oh, me a long, long, long time t- to recover. But there's noth- when that happens to you, there's nothing you can do about it. You know you just have yeah. to wait till you get better, yeah. and you know I, I i changed i feel i feel like my soul somehow got dislodged, mm. and I couldn't quite get back to where I'd been before um and i still I still feel a completely different person yeah. before the breakdown and after the breakdown and it was it was a very very tough time, and I couldn't work and of course. you you define yourself by what you do. And if you're not doing, you're not actually existing. So it was very, very painful, but also a very useful experience. Um, You know, the old um, platitude, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, is so true. And through it, I I, I, I did a lot of reading. I had a lot of different sorts of therapy, which Britain at the time wasn't big on. Um, And... Met a lot of people of all different sorts, and and um, really t- it teaches you a lot about mindfulness and, and being humble, and
1: also how to look after yourself, which is yeah. really important. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, Did
1: it, you lose yeah. your enthusiasm for music at that point? Because that's I kind couldn't of have where done it, it
2: I, I mean, when people say, "Oh, I had a nervous breakdown and wrote this album," I, I couldn't uh, even. I didn't even recognise who I was in the mirror. I wouldn't have even known how to brush my teeth, let alone make an album. Right.
1: <laughs> oh. um,
2: you know oh. that that wasn't okay. that just was so not on 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 the uh, on the horizon at that time. Um, yeah. And I really and I got my. I that's when I started to become interested in in um, in plants and and okay. garden design and things. Strangely enough, um, I've always been very interested in science, and it was one of my favourite things at school. And you know, there's a lot of talk about how being in touch with nature or being in nature is very good for you psychologically. Uh, I was, I found out last week that apparently there's an enzyme in the soil that when you when you plant or you dig the soil, it's released into the um, into the atmosphere, and you breathe it in, and it's and it's um, an antidepressant.
0: Isn't that oh. incredible?
2: Oh, so yeah. So it's, ju- it's, it's just, I mean, I, I really am passionate about ecology and, and wildlife and our connectedness,
1: Yeah,
2: there, there's, so, there's just so much to learn, um, and, uh, and it's all so massively interconnected. And, and when I was yeah. ill, I wasn't in- the slightest bit interested in gardening. My mother was, and she I used to find it incredibly boring. And when I was <laughs> ill, I found myself in the rain one day, when I was at my parents' weeding, and I thought, what the fuck am I doing? You know, this is crazy. Yeah. My instinct... Yeah. So something there, there must have been some need, you know, basic, really basic, atavistic need to connect in some way that wasn't threatening, that wasn't, you know, that was just doing. (laughs) And it was great. It was was massively cathartic. It was wonderful. Oh. Now, I
1: hope this isn't too personal a question. When this was happening to you, were you alone or were you in a relationship or married or anything No, I
2: was in a relationship and I really, I won't talk about it, it was... It, this okay. person was a nightmare and that didn't help.
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's I why I was... asked. I wondered if you had yeah. someone by your side as you're no, no, this, this was, it. was it all connected. Like that wasn't helping.
2: No, no, it mm. didn't help at all. Oh. This person was very fucked up and it didn't help.
1: <laughs> okay. I think what you're saying is it's so timely given I'm sure you're aware of all these of all the stories that are coming out now about things like Harvey Weinstein and these Hollywood types that are abusing their power and it's, uh, it's not Hollywood it's
2: everywhere. It's, it's everywhere
1: awesome. and it's constant. Awesome.
2: Yeah. And and we we in you know, we in the West think, Oh, you know, women's equality and it'll be great if it changes, but what about the rest of the world where things are almost medieval again? You know, yeah. it's it's a long, yeah. long struggle. I mean one from a music point of view, uh I don't know if you have PRS in America. But yeah, it's right. the Performing oh, Rights sure. Society, so that when you when you mm. have a piece of your music played or performed, you know, you get a royalty. Yeah. And apparently, there are only 12% of PRS members in this country are female. And I find that abysmal. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. just, I thought things would change from when I started to now. And if anything, yeah. they're worse.
1: Yeah, the Harvey you Weinstein, know, whatever. The I... Harvey
2: Weinsteins, everyone's going on about witch hunts and blah, blah, blah. You know, people people take advantage of I won't say abuse, they take advantage of other people because they feel entitled to and because they they think they're gonna get away with it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. You
1: yeah. know. Yep.
2: I don't I wouldn't I even agree. say necessarily it's always a power thing. A lot of the time it is, but it's not always, it's just it's just we can do this, it's not it's not a biggie, we can get away with this and so they do.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and, and they and, do yeah. for a long period of time yeah. and then it crashes yeah. down yeah. and uh so,
2: I have never met yeah. a female who hasn't been abused in some way, sexually, ever. Isn't that That's terrible?
1: That is isn't that crazy. terrible?
2: And men yeah. too, you know, men get it too. I'm not saying it's all just women. Right, um, right. Well, but I've, God, I've met them, everybody has, you know. It's, yeah. <laughs> and you just, yes, <laughs> it's horrible.
1: Me? You know, whenever I have a, a woman on here, which I wish I had them more often, I always ask about that and most of them say nothing ever happened. And I've always, on the one hand, I hope that that's true and I'm grateful. On the other, I think, I don't know. It seems to me like in the music industry, especially around the 70s and 80s, it seems like something wrong should have probably happened just based on statistics. So, you being open and honest about this, you're kind of giving voice to what I assumed was going on. It just seems like it just happens too much, especially in. Well, this I think kind of I think
2: John. Industry. I think John. The thing is that um, you, you you get adept at sidestepping what you know is inevitably going to be a difficult situation. So when these women say yeah. nothing ever happened, maybe it didn't happen um, because they were lucky and wise enough to see a situation and think, oh, you know, back off here. You know, we're not going to go along in that direction because we know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. Yeah, that okay. would be great if that's if that's true.
1: Well, but, but, it's, but it's great. But it's
2: great thing. that this is happening, and it'd be lovely if it changed. Yeah. It would be so fantastic, yeah. and I really hope it
1: yeah. does. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I don't. Um, I, also, okay.
2: I don't want. I don't want it turning into a oh, let's all hate men kind of thing, and you know, because that's just counterproductive no. too. That's just not no. good either.
1: Um, I I I think of it as people. I think regular people have assumed that this kind of behavior was going on. Uh, behind the scenes, but we didn't have hard evidence of it, and now we do. It just confirms speculations and assumptions we've had all along. I think. So who knows? Hopefully, there's a better. way. There has to be a better way to do business.
2: Well, we live in interesting times.
1: Yeah. So okay, so I'm curious if your if you if you hadn't gone through this breakdown, would your music mm-hmm. career had continued? I don't know. I mean, I think, feel like you sort of went out maybe a little bit on a high things were sort of continuing to build would it have continued on beyond blast the human flower or do you think it would have were you sort of over it were audiences getting smaller where were you at when you sort of walked away
2: oh no it was as good as it could have got
1: really you know, it, Okay, that's what it it was I got.
2: it was i had i had a great i had something like a i can't i mean i can't remember exactly whether it was a 5 or a 7 album deal with warner brothers you know uh. i it was it was great. It was fantastic. Uh-huh. And I had control yeah. over things. And, you know, it couldn't have been better. <laughs> good.
1: Um good.
2: But, uh, you know, so it would have gone on to a totally different place. But it's no good yeah. worrying about that because that obviously wasn't what was going to happen for me.
1: Sure, sure. Uh, I was just and- curious. I didn't know. You know, if the career oh, no, was going to stall. It, it was a
2: very yeah. no, it was a very, very good setup. Um and right. they were you know, and the Sire guys were well, they were lovely, you know, they were really, really sweet and supportive and good. you know um <clears throat> obviously when I got ill there was just no work. Right. Um yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And that was fair enough, you know, because they they're running a business. Right at the right. end of the day. Um
1: so I have a couple kind of nerdier questions for you, mm-hmm. and, and specific to your music. Number one, I always have noticed obviously a lot of Indian influence in there. Were, were you particularly taken with Indian music, and you wanted to incorporate that, or is this another thing where you didn't really know what you were doing? It just sounded good. Is it born through experimentation? What's what's influencing your multicultural sound?
2: I love. I, I lived in, um, in in Kenya for a while um, before I got involved in music, um, and heard a lot of strange stuff there. But um, I I used to buy um, albums on the UNESCO. I think it was called the UNESCO World Music Series or something. So they were dead cheap, and they'd be from everywhere. You'd get Inuit music and Indian music, and you know South American music, whatever. And I. Just loved the odd sounds and the and the way we say Indian music, the way there are tones, semitones, quarter tones, bending of notes. There's a different vocal kind of sound. Um, it's it's just every you know. I I, I in the early eighties, I I was, I was listening to lots of High Life as well, King Sunny Ade and Pelacuti, and uh-huh. um and a radio okay. station okay, called yeah. London Sounds Eastern. Um and one day they played do you know do you know of Cliff Richard in America?
1: Sure, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well they they had they He's had never been a, as
1: big here as he was over there, but yeah we They had
2: a they had a version of we don't talk anymore. And it was it was <laughs> a thing. woman singing in Urdu or one of these languages. So it was the, it was the Cliff Richard backing music with the most odd vocal over the top with a, com- a complete oh. sort of kind of singing over the <laughs> top of these. And I thought, Wow, this is fantastic you know, that that was a that was a real that was around the time I was doing um, Popeyes and and I, and I did okay. um oh was it Bed Caves I think uh, following listening uh-huh. to this track because I just thought and and um and also like you know, the the sort of Bollywood soundtracks and things as well. But it's it's just And it's just like, and different eras of music as well. Um, I've always loved watching really, really old Hollywood films and listening to things like um, old Cab Calloway tracks and old really, really scratchy old jazz albums. So historically, going as far back as I could and geographically going anywhere I possibly could all at once because I just thought, these sounds are out there. You know, it's this fantastic cornucopia of in yeah. interest and mystery and, you know, who says you can't have it all at once?
1: Who yeah. makes up these
2: stupid rules? <laughs> you know, that's ridiculous. That's
1: amazing. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite songs of yours is you no Well, my, uh,
2: my husband always says to me, <laughs> you, know, you never know when you've overdone it, do you? And I don't. Because my view is more <laughs> is more. You know, if you that's think right. you've heard it all before, hear it all at once.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Why not throw everything into one pot See what happens Yeah, quite <laughs> Yeah, okay, good Yeah, like I mentioned One of my favorite songs of yours Is Sweet no Property And that is heavily Indian influence <laughs>
0: And you're yeah. right, that's the beauty of what you did
1: or do or whatever is that you're throwing all this different stuff in there and just seeing what happens. It's beautiful. It just
2: seems it just cool. seems crazy. It's like it's like saying, I will only be interested in one type of science or I will only yeah. look at one colour. You know, why would you do that? Why would you yeah. why would if you're interested and you love something, surely you would want to embrace all of it, and find out whether you like it. Sometimes some musics I listen to and think, I don't quite get this. Like sometimes some Chinese music I find a bit difficult, you know, with that... Oh,
1: ding, oh,
2: <laughs> and a bit of silence and then a rattle like Kabuki or something. Um, right, and I think, right. oh, I can't quite get my head around this. is really not doing it for me. But I still want to listen to it to see whether I like yeah. it or not, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or like, Or like I know people who... Have never tried different types of food, and you think, why haven't you? Aren't you curious? Yeah. You might, you might, it's you might there. really love it. <laughs> I know,
1: I know, it's so true. I think about that a lot. Do you think <laughs> do you feel like your music stands up when you listen back to your music from back in the day? Are you are you proud of it? Are you thinking this is we did some really no, good no. things? Or can no, you, I'm really are you proud of it. By it? No, oh, good, I'm really good, proud good. of
2: it. And, I, and I, I was going to perform some tracks at an art gallery about a month ago um, with a few friends. And we, listened, we, we put together some of the really early tracks from Popeyes to perform. And then it turned out it just wasn't going to happen because the venue was too small. And it was too, there were too many kind of technical problems involved. But in listening to it and doing it all, and we redid it all with things like Singing Saw and Theremin and, and kind of you yeah. know, bits, pieces we'd found out in the street... And it was it was really good fun, and um, and I I think sometimes you hear things and you think, oh my god, that's bloody awful! You know, why did I do that? <laughs> yeah. but, um, yeah. You know, Christ, yeah. You I mean, you'd have to be an absolute arsehole not to think that about some of the things that you create. <laughs> right. You know, but I kind of I have sympathy for the person that created that that early stuff. You yeah. know, um, I feel really created. protective to that 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 person. Yeah. Uh, uh, You know, I think she was all right.
1: (laughs) Good, good. I'm glad you feel that way. Now, some of your music has some religious references in it. Are you a religious person? (laughs)
2: Uh, Well, I'm interested, but I I wouldn't say that I really like what people use religion for. Um, I think... Uh,
1: uh, very true. You know,
2: I, I believe in goodness, and I believe there's a lot of stuff we don't understand. And I'd like to think, well, you know, we don't know what's going to happen when we die. Who knows? Yeah. You could hedge your bets. But um, no, I, I think I'm not going to knock it. I think if people get, you know, um, sucker from prayer and things like that, and for some communities, a church can give um, a sense of cohesion, be an antidote to loneliness and things like that, that's good. But when... Yeah i I think any intelligent sensitive person looking around at what's done in the name of religion and has been done by all religions yeah. all over the world you know that yeah. side I find totally abhorrent um okay. but yeah. but i think some of the some of the um original ideas about goodness are, are good- are, you know are worth investigating right. that it's the doctrine right. it's the mistran- deliberate mistranslation you know mm-hmm. and the the <laughs> The use of it, uh, I find
1: really, yeah, yeah. yeah I, you know what I, I know. I mean. Yeah, I um, I have conflicting feelings about this because if you think about it, at the base level, a religion should be one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's people yeah. who doesn't want to come together and congregate with other like-minded yeah. people who are sort of, yeah. hey, I feel this way, and I, I yeah. think I believe these things, and I'm sensitive yeah. to these things. And you find out other people are too. That should be the most beautiful relationship in the world. And Absolutely. yet, no one can just keep it at that. They can't just love their relationship. They have to judge other people's relationship and yeah. tell them that their what their beliefs and their reason for coming together is not as good as my reason for coming together. And it's, so, it's the complete opposite of what yeah. true religion should be. It should be the That's most cool. beautiful thing in the world. Of course. Cool. I mean it's not a competitive it's,
2: sport it's not like a, the village no. you know the the village kind of vegetable contest, or my carrot's better than your carrot <laughs> um, you yeah, and I know. and I agree with what you're saying um i i i i I meditate and um and i and I try and tune into types of energy and I do believe there are types of energy um that are unexplainable um and I have also experienced. Uh, very powerful, I suppose. Quite spiritual feelings, which had nothing to do with religion at all, but, right. uh, but enough enough to convince me that there is whether or not these were stress induced brain aberrations or not. I don't really yeah. care, <laughs> right. Um, right. you know. But I agree with what you're saying. These these things should be beautiful, and when they are, I think it's great. Um, and I, know, yeah. I I would never ever presume to try and tell somebody. Not to believe in a religion or a way of life. I think mean, people should be allowed to do whatever they want, except hurt other people or other things and be cruel. Exactly. That's it.
1: You know, um,
2: that's
1: simple. Yeah.
2: Uh, it's. It's. I think Elizabeth the first. Um. You know, Queen Elizabeth put it put it succinctly. You know, it wasn't. that, She didn't. It was. You know, it wasn't part of her job to look into other men's hearts. Yeah. And I think that's 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 mm-hmm. really true. Um, yeah. Uh, we're not we're not policemen and women of other people's conscience, but yeah. it is upsetting. At the same time, when you see cruelty, um, I think yeah. cruelty is one of the worst things Countered in the really. world.
1: <laughs> totally, I agree. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Okay, well we can we can stop talking about religion and start talking music. Yes. The point. Yes. Okay. Anyway, now I. Um, the list, well, I've had several listeners actually request you over the years but one who was most vocal about it is named Brian Jensen and he's actually from Salt Lake City too although I didn't know him or grow up with him or anything he found me later um, he submitted some questions that he'd like me to ask you if you're okay with it number one okay okay he wants to know why wasn't the id parade released as an official single because he was hearing it in a lot of clubs and on radio there in Salt Lake City at least what, this is, what was the problem with getting the
0: It Parade out of the <laughs> signal? Oh, the politician says there's a new way coming to town. Oh, but I ain't seen nothing, nothing.
2: You know what? That's what I wanted to be the single. I think the fact it was about, it was simple. I think it was because it was about guns and the record company got cold feet. Simple as that. You know, (laughs) uh, I'm absolutely certain. In fact, someone may have even told me that. I can't be sure, but I'm absolutely, I I couldn't understand why it wasn't. It was, it was, it was obvious to me. (laughs) I mean, it would have been fine. I would have been well up for it.
1: Yeah, that's why. Yeah, Okay. Okay. And then he also wanted to know, like a lot of us do, if you if there's any music coming down in the future. I know you're, I think you're collaborating with Unica Zern on something yeah. soon. Well, Do you think you'll ever come back to music?
2: <laughs> well, it, a strange, strangely, um, I, 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 I had absolutely no interest whatsoever, and then I started doing these odd shows uh, and, and festivals. And... I, I, I deliberately chose to work with Unica it It was very, very difficult because it's it's you know, experimental improvised electronic music, and I have to vocalize over it and that 's really tough and i didn't i wasn 't affecting my vocals in any great way it was just a bit of a bit of reverb or something um and the voice and how when I did it it was actually really, really good. It was really good fun oh. to be released from a the responsibility of it being my project, and to be challenged in that way. And I was massively the the first show we did at Cafe Otto in London. I was massively over prepared. <laughs> I spent months <laughs> exercising, vocal exercises, you know, you name it. Yeah. <laughs> And it wasn't needed in the slightest. It was so funny, but I enjoyed the preparation. (laughs) But then I I recently bought some new equipment. I've still got my old old 24-track reel-to-reel and all that kind of stuff here, all my recording equipment. But I bought myself... (laughs) an up to date easy easy peasy to use 24 track about a month ago which is languishing on the top floor of my house because i'm renovating <laughs> my house at the moment and it's like right. world war 3 up there i can't even get into the room that it's sitting in oh, but man. <laughs> when the renovations are finished um, i'm going to go in there and have some fun and the first track i'm going to work on is is um based around my my creaky bedroom door Oh, really? <laughs> The sound. I had a great bathroom um, shower door that creaked, and I kept saying to my my friends, I've got to I've got to get this to do a solo. And then we changed the shower and lost the creaky door. <laughs> And my cats, oh, no. my cats have scratched my door so much that it's now creaking just brilliantly. Oh. So that's what I want to use as my first piece. Wow!
1: Oh wow! <laughs> I've,
2: I've started to sort of buy, rebuy even more crap old instruments from junk shops oh, to start great. using. And but I, but I never stopped teaching myself about music even when I wasn't doing it and I can now drum yeah. quite well which I couldn't before so oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to working on sort of percussion ideas and um, and things okay. like that but it's, I suspect it's going to be much more in the area of like sound design than than songs okay. but having said that I don't know till I start doing it I have got, I've got no idea you know um,
1: it's so where
2: it's going to go or, or whether I out there and try and do it and then think actually I'm right. really not into this and don't take yeah. it any further. Uh, and it'll all be dead uncommercial and no one will be interested.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I talked to so many people who had a hit, you know, back in 1982, and they mm. would just sell their souls to find another hit. But well, you're, record- you're sampling door creaks. That's yeah, what gets you I, excited. And, you I know, someone else is about looking about for a hook. I, I
2: really <laughs> couldn't give a shit about How could I? Put- I don't even understand how. Um, like the modern pop world works, even I don't even listen yeah. to. I do listen to some of it, and I think you know some of it I really really like. But a lot of it now I listen to and think I just don't get it. You know, I'm old now. I really, yeah. you know, you know, you're yeah. old when you don't quite quite get what's going on. <laughs> there are things like I really liked um, that that um, happy single from a couple of years back for Earl Williams. Yeah. But but that's because it sounded like a, a track from the seventies. Yeah, you know? did, <laughs>
1: didn't it? But yeah. it was great,
2: you know. I still but, love things like
1: that. <laughs> I was, uh, you know, I was thinking because you put out that compilation, um, the thwarted pop career of Daniel Mack. <laughs> no one it. would put would name an album that unless they were sort of in on the joke. That uh, oh, thank you, praise know, the Lord. By way. I've had but, so
2: many people say that. John, I'm to I've had so many people say, "Oh, taking it really seriously." oh, you must feel terrible about your career in pop. And it's like, no, it's a piss take.
1: (laughs) It it, it takes guts to name your album that, but maybe you're, you know, maybe you do, it's bittersweet, I don't know, but after talking to you in this conversation, I can tell that it was, you're in on the joke, hence the name of the album.
2: Oh, of course, and with the, excuse me, but have you seen the cover? You know, there's me with my oh, yeah. tits out, wearing that that ridiculous costume. Um, Crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, right. yeah, uh, pop. Mm. Okay. Well, although these days, okay. probably, I, you know, I can see my, uh, Beyonce wearing something like that now and fine. You know. Okay. Very, very <laughs> but, <very well.
1: laughs> yeah. okay. Now, do you ever get do you ever get requests to like play rewind festivals or anything like that? What's rewind? Oh, festivals? like '80s concerts, like uh, you know those. Those uh, festivals where they get ten '80s bands like Go West and Naked Eye and all these. Well, I think I think
2: those those people all have like proper managers and things. They're all reachable. Ah. Don't forget, uh, you know, I'm wafting about Uh, unreachable.
1: Okay. (laughs) That's true. You weren't the easiest to find.
2: (laughs) Um, I uh, no, I would never do anything like that. I I would hate to do anything like that. Um, I have friends, and I certainly won't name them who. Do festivals uh, like punk or goth and things like that. That is just, why would I do that? That was then. Life is about doing new things. (laughs) Yeah, okay. If someone's going to offer me like 20 million pounds, I might. I don't
1: know about that. I wish. I don't know about that. All right, well, cool. Well, this is great. I have one last question. I want to know what your tastiest memory is. I don't know if along the way. You got to meet some of your heroes, I don't even know really who some of those heroes were, but did you when you sit back and you're working in the garden and you're you know you're enjoying your we'll call it a retirement life, do you ever sit yeah. what's the memory when you sit back and you think that is so cool that that happened to me? What is that memory oh. <laughs> well
2: they usually they involve me being a bit cheeky. Um, ah, I remember really? being at a party, I remember meeting little Richard at a party and being really, really impressed and he kissed me on the cheek. That was pretty cool and I didn't want to wash my cheek. But I remember things like um, doing a, a radio show uh, with Lou Reed and uh, the, ra- the people at the radio show were so in awe, they were practically genuflecting and they were scared of him. And well, I didn't know that Lou Reed was supposed to be scary. Um, afterwards I was saying, I was I was laughing with him. I was saying they're collecting your cigarette butts off the floor. You know this is this is mad, and we were we were we were mucking about. And then afterwards, people were saying, "But Louie's really scary." And I was just thinking, "But we were just joking, and we were joking about the people at Sire, you know, about how camp things were at times and stuff like that, you know, and just just chatting, just being silly, Um, just and and um. Uh, Who else? Oh God, Um, uh, there are other things which I can't possibly tell you that involve famous people, where where I I I would go into situations without being really... Thi- without knowing that you couldn't say or do certain things because uh-huh. of who these people were and somehow getting right. away with it. Okay,
1: yeah, I can totally see that, actually. Okay. And, and,
2: not, and being introduced to Warren Beatty and not recognizing him and for the whole way through the conversation thinking he was a school teacher.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> oh, that would not be good for Warren Beatty to be Oh, that's so you bad,
2: that is so bad. How could I have not a not known it was him? And for oh, he was a school. Where did that come from? I mean, it was. Just, I don't know. Oh, I, I, you Plastic. know, um, but I'm not good at that sort of whole starting. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um I well, probably uh,
2: think of I John. I probably think of loads of other things afterwards, but I can't remember right yeah. now. I wasn't. <laughs>
1: okay. Okay. Well, thanks for talking with me, Danielle. This I've always been curious about you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to recount your interesting career with me for an hour. I hope it wasn't oh. too painful or anything. You've had a no, lot. Of, you, you have a lot of fans, and you've had people you. um, who've come to me asking to get you on the show, and so I'm really glad that we got the chance to talk.
2: Well, thank you very much. There. I mean, and that's 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 lovely, and it, although I laugh about things. Um I am I am a very isolated person. Um and it does mean a lot to think, you know, that, that you're there and, and that stuff means something to someone. Um yeah. although I do it for myself, it's just even nicer thinking that it means something to someone. You know, it does yeah. it does touch yeah. me. It does touch me. Um Good. I'm not Good. a complete burk <laughs> you know, I am sensitive <laughs> to these things. <laughs> and all I can right. say to anyone listening is put on a track like Olamal, which is an instrumental, or anything that's the the oddest track of mine you know, lie on the floor and do floor dancing to it, where you raise your arms and legs and wiggle them around madly. And I guarantee if you're in a bad mood before you do it, you won't be afterwards.
1: That you just did that. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle,
2: this is wonderful. And that's always, a good, that's always a good one if you're shy to dance at a party. <laughs> <laughs> I love
1: it.
0: <laughs> there you have it, Danielle Dax. Um, boy, I, I feel really bad for Danielle. I mean, it took us months to line up this interview to get our schedules coordinated, and it finally happened, and as you can tell, it was a really nice conversation. She's a great, upbeat lady. And now to have this moment, her moment, really um, turned into such a tragedy. I mean, she didn't sign up for that. And so I feel bad. I just feel bad for everybody. And I'm grateful that Danielle talked to me. I'm sorry that it turned out this way, Danielle. I feel terrible about Brian and his family and his friends. I was corresponding with his roommate, Cammie, and she told me that she thought he had been preparing this for a very long time. And it just—I will never live this down. I mean, um, truthfully, this probably all would have been even stranger had I met him before he did this. I mean, what if, what if we had gotten together Saturday night and met and you know solidified a friendship, and then and then to find out that he had intended to take his life the very next day? I uh, anyway, I this will probably—I mean, I'll just never forget this. So. Brian was a great guy uh, from I, from what I knew about him. He was a really sweet man. And both of us growing up in Salt Lake City at the same time, you have to understand how big alternative rock and radio were in our market at that time. I mean, uh, it was huge. And so we spoke the same musical language and um, I just will always regret the fact that I never got to meet him. And we were so close. I want to just say, to anyone if it matters or you care at all I've dealt with uh, depression a lot in my life I've been very lucky the last few years have been pretty good and um, so it's it's a little more foreign of a of an impulse than you know suicide is anyway or depression than they have been in years past um, I would love to say to everybody to please don't do these things and to get help and to reach out to the people who love you and know that you're loved and care about. But I also know having been there myself that in those moments, those feelings don't really matter. The, the sense of hopelessness and helplessness are so great that you, all you really want to do is escape. And And I understand that. And I just want to say to any of you, I mean, I don't know all of you, but if you ever get those impulses or those feelings. Let me know so that I can just tell you I love you. Um, you guys know how gushy I can be at the end of these of these uh, interviews sometimes. And if you go back to the intro to our podcast, which I the very first thing I ever put out there, I explain why I do that. Really, uh, it's very selfish because it's about me clearing my own conscience. If I thought that somebody I cared for was unhappy or suicidal, or even in Pat Benizio's case, were to die soon without me getting the opportunity to let them know how much they matter to me, that would haunt me forever. And I would encourage all of you to do the same, to just spread spread the love. I mean, it sounds so cheese ball, but if nothing else, but for your own peace of mind, just do it. Anyway, I love you all and I say that a lot on here and I really, really do mean it. So um, you may have noticed we didn't do that midsection we've been doing lately. It felt very odd to kind of interrupt Brian's moment to talk about ourselves, but we'll get back to it next week. And I love Yan and I'm so grateful for Yan and his partnership and that we get to produce these things together. Thank you, Yan. Um, We will just see you all next week, I hope. Thanks everybody.